Hi, welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We're very glad you're joining us today and we hope this message inspires you, builds your faith and encourages you in the things of God. Enjoy the message. Wow, what a weekend it has been. And uh, it has been my absolute privilege, Patrick. We, we deeply love you, and I love your friendship. And uh, I, we've got to hang out again soon. Uh, it's, just, it's just my privilege. And thank you so much for your welcome, Nick. I love being here. I feel like I'm at home. And so uh, I thought I'd tell you a bit about my Saturday night, if that's OK. Um, my name's Andrew. I have an incredible wife. And most Saturday nights, um, before we go away, we decide that we're going to sit down, we're going to watch something on TV. And uh, at the moment, I don't know if anyone's heard of this program. There's a program called Strictly Come Dancing. And if you haven't heard of it, effectively, two, uh, two people dance. A professional dancer that can do all the moves. I can't, so I'll leave that to you, sir. And, uh, and somebody who is a celebrity but can't dance. And, uh, and the thing about it is, after a while, you begin to get hooked. Has anyone ever been hooked on a TV series? Where, wherever you are, when, it, when it's on, you start to get a little bit itchy because you're like... I know I'm in this work meeting, but I'm just thinking about that. The deal is this, every Saturday night they dance, and every Sunday night there's a results show, and one person gets voted off each week. My wife is incredible for many, many reasons, but she is, when it comes to TV, she's very much involved. So we've been to the cinema before, and I feared that we are going to get kicked out of the cinema because she cries so loudly, like she is weeping over rom-coms, swimming out on her own tears, and I'm like, this is really embarrassing. Embarrassing. Um, but, but, but the deal is this. Every Sunday night when the results show comes out, there is a website that releases spoilers ahead of time as to who is actually going to be leaving this week. Now, I, it was only last Sunday that I realised that this website existed. So I have decided, because I am an integrous husband, that I will... While we're watching the programme, rather than just watch the programme, I will watch her as she then watches the programme because she doesn't know what's going to happen. So she is thinking, do you think it's going to be this person? Do you think it's going to be that person? She is really getting into it. She is, she is screaming at the TV. I'm like, Heather, we've got children. Stop shouting. And she is really into it. You know, like sometimes when people watch sport on TV, they get really into it. You see them, like, weeping along. And so she's watching the TV. I'm on this website just with my phone, just checking. I'm like, oh, okay. So I know what's going to happen. And so I'm now watching her who doesn't know what's going to happen. And it is an incredible sight. She then asks me, who do you think is going to go out? And because I am an integrous husband, I say, oh, I don't know. This person will go out. And I say the name because I've been on the website and she's not seen it. And it's an incredible moment because every week because this is now what she, she may now be watching this online, every week I am right. And it's incredible. But I wanted to speak to you this morning a message whether you're watching online or whether you're here in church, which is just an incredible faith-filled atmosphere. I wanted to preach a message called He's Got This. Because I think there are some people that are in a situation or on a journey with God and perhaps you feel like slowing down. Maybe you are here under this message and you are saying, I am tired right now. Any parents in the room that would say, I am just a little, a little tired. 
Uh, maybe there's a work situation right now and you feel like stepping back. Maybe there's a, a, a situation where you've been offered an opportunity to serve in the house of God and you are saying, oh, I'm not really sure. I've got a lot of other stuff going on. I want to encourage you from God's word this morning that the best days are still ahead and that God has got you. If you are uh, a Bible-owning person, most popular book ever sold every single year, turn with me to Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9. Because the great thing about this morning is we are going to go back, 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 back several hundreds of years. And I've read the end of the book and he wins. And I want to encourage you this morning that whatever situation you face, God by his Holy Spirit wants to put courage in you for the fight that you face ahead And he wants to remind you that at the end of the book, he wins. Church, at the end of the book, we win because we have faith and we have trust in him. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2, we will read some verses together. It says this, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of the oppressor, every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning for, which will fuel the fire. Verse 6 written several hundred years before Jesus walks, talks, and spends three years on earth. This is where we are going to land. For unto us, church, for unto us a child is born. For unto us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called. Wonderful counsellor, mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This is so good, I'll read just a little more. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. These words are written, church, several hundreds of years before Jesus fulfills them. And so what I'm trying to communicate to you today is at the end of the book, we win. At the end of the book, several hundreds of years, some people say 640, some people say 700 years, before Jesus walks, talks, does miracles, heals people, the prophet Isaiah gets a vision from God and he begins to write what God is showing him. And I guess what I wanted to do is I wanted to to, to give you a spoiler alert in your faith. I wanted to give you an injection of courage from God's word this morning that says, there has been a great light for unto us a child is born. There is a gift that has been given. If you're watching online, there are four things that you need to know about this gift. The Bible tells us very clearly in Isaiah 9 verse 6, it says he will be called a wonderful counsellor, a mighty God, an everlasting father and a prince of peace. And I'm personally reading uh, through Isaiah I hear it's your favourite book, Pastor Nick. 
And as I'm reading it, there are some things that are jumping out at me and there are other things that I'm needing to go a little bit deeper. So I thought today I would give you a spoiler called He's Got You, but I would break down what these, what these terms really mean. Let's start with the first one. Jesus is a wonderful counsellor. You have a wonderful counsellor today, church. The word wonderful, if you transliterate it, it, it means uh, it's something that is really difficult or hard to understand. It means something that is, is difficult to wrap our minds around. We serve a God who is way above and beyond. Elsewhere in Isaiah, we hear these words, his ways are higher than our ways. And I reckon today there are people in this room or watching online that are walking through situations and you just don't understand what God is doing. The Bible uh, in, in uh, John chapter 8 tells us and gives us an example exactly of this God who is incomprehensibly wonderful. So I'd like to read John chapter 8 and just remind you again today that we serve a God who, even when trapped by religious people, is the solution. John chapter 8, the Bible says there was a woman who was caught in adultery. It is a youth weekend, so we won't go into the specifics, but she is caught in adultery. And if you don't know what that is, at the end, go and see Patrick, and he will explain what that term means. The Bible says that the woman was caught in adultery. They made her stand before a group, verse 3 says, of John 8, and it goes on to say, and they said to Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap, the Bible tells us. The religious people were trying to trap Jesus because that is what religious people do. They were using this question to trap him in order to have a basis of accusing him, but Jesus. But Jesus bends down. In the midst of the crowd, Jesus bends down and he begins to write on the ground with his finger. And when they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said, Let any of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And at this point, the Bible reminds us, those who began, or those who heard, began to go away one at a time. The older ones first, the Bible says, how appropriate on Youth Sunday. Until only Jesus was left. With the woman still standing there, Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, go now and leave your life of sin. This was a regular occurrence for the Pharisees. This was a a way of life for them. They had rules on rules, laws on laws, laws to to help them live out other laws. And they see Jesus and Jesus' teaching, Jesus is doing what the Son of God does. And they go to him and they try and trap him. And I've just got a sense in my spirit today that there are people who are facing situations, and if you were really honest, you would describe that situation as feeling trapped. Maybe you're watching this online, and there are situations that are confusing your mind as you listen to this because you are trying to find a solution. 
The Pharisees brought this issue to Jesus because they said, according to the law, this lady ought to be stoned. She ought to die. But I love the fact, church, that we serve a God who gets low. Who, who with his own hands writes in the dirt. He, he's, a, he's a wonderful saviour. He's a, he's a wonderful counsellor because he goes low. And he goes into the dark parts of our lives. He's not afraid to go to the dust. He's not afraid to go to those areas where we would be ashamed to tell other people about. Jesus goes there today. And in the midst of that, in the midst of this trapping situation, Jesus brings clarity and Jesus brings life. And maybe today you need to be reminded of the fact that there is a wonderful counsellor who when you don't see the way out, who when you don't know the way, for when you are trapped, church, there is a one who brings freedom. And his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus because he rescues us, because he frees us, because when we were lost, when we were far away, there was a God who got low, who in the, in the dust and in the dirt of our lives, his hand brings hope. His hand brings life. And I wonder today if there's some people who need to be reminded, who need to have a faith injection that there is a wonderful counsellor and he is still wonderful and he is still on the throne and he still goes to the dark places of my life and he still goes to the dark places of your life. And he says today, I am your wonderful counsellor. When you don't know a way out, there is a one who does, who brings freedom, who brings hope when there is hopelessness, who brings healing when there is his brokenness and his name is Jesus our wonderful counselor our wonderful counselor church today we have a wonderful counselor his name is Jesus he's not just a wonderful counselor the bible goes on to say he is a mighty god he is a mighty god i reckon today we're a little confused of the word mighty Put it this way, I have a three-year-old who, when I'm sitting on the sofa, decides to sneak around behind me and thinks because he is Superman in his own head that he can push me off of the sofa with his three-year-old legs. And every so often, because I'm that kind of dad, I pretend that he's really strong and I fall to the ground and he's like, yes, I did it. I pushed daddy from the sofa. I kicked daddy off the sofa. The truth is, at any stage, I could stop him from thinking that. (laughs) Sometimes we have wrong thoughts, hey? Sometimes we have those three-year-old thoughts. But mighty God is an interesting one. Because the reason why Reuben thinks he's so strong is because I choose to use my strength for his advantage. I choose to use my strength for his advantage. At any stage, with his little legs against my back, I could resist. Because I'm 34 and he's three. And like his dad, he's got sparrow legs. But there's always a moment where I allow my strength to become weakness because that will therefore, in his head, give him strength. But when I read about a mighty God, I have to tell you, this one's a little more tricky because God's might is only really demonstrated and perfected in our weakness. Oh, I wish there was another way, church. I, I wish there was another way. I, I, I need you to turn to Judges. Judges chapter, let's go to Judges chapter 7, and we'll read from verse 3 to understand this mighty God who is alive and well this morning. Judges chapter 7, it says this. 
So 22,000 men left, while 10,000 remained. Let me give you a catch-up. Gideon is called by God. He is scared, he is afraid, and yet God declares over his life that he is a mighty man of valor. And he gets to a point in his own life where he agrees to partner with God. And maybe you made a decision to follow God a little while ago, then this is for you. Because he decides to partner with God, but in Gideon's head, the way that the victory will come about is by lots and lots of things and lots and lots of people. He starts with 32,000 people, and as Judges chapter 7 concludes, Gideon is left with 300 men. Church, I'm here to declare this morning that God's power is made perfect in our weakness. And maybe you said yes to following God. Maybe you said yes to all that God has for you, but you find yourself in areas of your life looking at what seems like lack. You're like, God, did you not get my email? God, did you not understand when I said I'm going to partner with you? It seems that everything that I thought I needed to be successful in the victory you're taking away. The Bible makes it very, very clear in verse 4 that there are too many men with him. And the reason why things went from increase to decrease in his life is because God wanted to make sure that when the victory happened, it wasn't because of Gideon's own strength that saved him, but because of God's. You will say, if you have too many when, in verse 2, my own strength has saved me. What God is dealing with in Gideon's life and what God wants to deal with in our lives is pride. The fact that we have got this all together. There's a story about a Spanish man and his surname is Torres. And he's an incredible guy. He was really athletic and he was into biking. And at the age of 28 years old, he lost his life. And like all that happens, or like what would happen in a, in a time when somebody loses their life, they do an autopsy. And they found that he'd recently moved into a new apartment, is my understanding. And this apartment wasn't yet fitted with a carbon monoxide uh, gauge. And so what killed him wasn't anything that anybody could see. There was no murder weapon, there was no gun, there was not even anybody intruding. The door wasn't forced open but it was a silent killer called carbon monoxide that combined with his red blood cells and resulted in him dying and nobody finding him for days. I reckon pride can do that in a Christian's life. It's like a silent killer. It could be in the room right now, but it doesn't shout, it doesn't scream, it doesn't make a scene, but it robs us from the mighty hand of God doing what only the mighty hand of God can do in our lives. And I reckon today God wants to get a carbon monoxide gauge out and he wants to remind us that God's will must be done God's way. But more than that, that his strength is made perfect in our weakness. The thing that you thought you lost, maybe that was God removing it from your life to remind you where your focus and where your trust really needs to be. Maybe today you face a sickness in your body And it gets you to that place where you get back to your knees, the place where you were before, and you say, God, I'm not relying on anything or anyone else. I need you. And in that simple moment of surrender, 
Oh, we had a powerful moment last night. You need to understand, uh, if you weren't at the conference last night, we allowed God to do what only God could do. We love the fact that there are leaders that speak life and truth and encouragement, but there were moments in the conference where we were just silent and we began to lean in to the Spirit of God. Pastor Stephen preached a phenomenal message unpacking the understanding of the person of the Holy Spirit. And then we, we waited and we trusted uh, and we allowed him to do what only he could do. I wonder today if the mighty God doesn't want to remind you and I again today that his strength is made perfect in our weakness. That loss, that walk out, that person that isn't in your life anymore could lead you back to a point where you say, God, I'm holding on to you. I'm holding on to you. In the midst of my disappointment, in the midst of I thought it was going to go this way, I'm choosing to hold on to you. Church, you need to know today, you have a wonderful counsellor. You serve a God who, even when you can't understand and wrap your head around who he is and what he's doing, he's doing far more behind the scenes than he is in front of your face. If you could understand it, it wouldn't require faith. Because faith speaks more about the person you're putting your faith in than often it does about your own character. I reckon there's some people today that need to remind themselves that he is still faithful, that he is still good. Don't be concerned by your circumstance. Lift your eyes above that and look to the one who is faithful. Don't allow circumstances to rob you of the character of a God who is good. He is a wonderful counsellor. He is a mighty God today. His strength is made perfect in our weakness. The Bible tells us that he is also an everlasting father. An everlasting father. I remember when I was in secondary school, I was 16 years old and it was the last year that I had to do maths. And anybody who has ever seen me do maths realises that that was something that was a struggle for us all. My mum got me a tutor and... Uh, I would think of any excuse I possibly could to get out of tutoring. I, I don't know if you've ever been asked to do something that you really don't want to do, so you come up with really bad excuses. It, I guess it would, be, it would be, for me, it would be like, I, I, I have asthma, so I, I feel asthmatic, Mum. my breathing's not great. Or, or maybe for you, it was, I'm washing my hair. Often we come up with excuses, don't we, as to why we can't do what we know we have to do. We hide behind stuff. So I was hiding behind this, and... It got to the point where my tutor asked me, do you want, we call the qualification in England, a maths GCSE? And it was a really awkward moment because the reason why maths was so important is because where I come from, if you don't have maths GCSE, you can't go to college. And so what she was effectively explaining to me is that what you are doing now has a bigger picture view. What you're doing is sitting in a classroom bored and uninterested what I want to do is something way, way, way more significant. You know, there are people who were in my class as a 34-year-old who are still resitting their maths GCSE. I'm so grateful for a teacher that said, put your big boy pants on, sit down, and get in your books. Because the truth is, we have to do things that are hard sometimes. God empowers us to do those things, but quite often we hide behind excuses as to why we can't do certain things. 
And this idea of God being not just a wonderful counselor, mighty God, but an everlasting father is a scriptural idea that we see that he was there at the beginning and he'll be there at the end. And today you may not understand it. Today you may be sitting in time, but God is outside of that. And he's saying, would you just zoom out a little bit? Would you just zoom out a little bit? I was telling the young people, has anyone else had that moment where you're walking down the street and you think you see a friend? You know, that really awkward moment where you think you see a friend and it's definitely your friend. So you go, hey! And then somebody else turns around, but your hand's already in the air. And it's definitely not your friend. And they're looking at you like you're crazy. Anyone else had that moment? And it's like, what I thought I saw, I didn't actually see. If I'd have taken an extra look, it would have been way better because I'm like itching my head. Really, really exaggeratedly. But the truth is, our everlasting God was there at the very beginning. The Bible puts it this way, in the beginning, God. And then the Bible says he is Alpha and he is Omega. Which means where you sit today is a day in time. But God sits outside of time and he knows the beginning from the end. He was there at the beginning. He died in the middle and he'll be there at the end. I wonder today... If you've ever used a zoom function on a camera, you know where you zoom in to just get a better image, but really it goes a little, it goes a little faded. The edges aren't as sharp. I think it's pixelated. I don't know much about media. That's the one department in church that they're like, hey, that and the worship team, just stay clear. We've got this. We've got this one. But I wonder today if God doesn't want to ask us to zoom out and move the lens out and get a perspective from heaven today that says he is the everlasting Father. He is the everlasting Father. And for some people in this room, a revelation of the Father will change everything. Perhaps you've come in to the arms of the Heavenly Father with an understanding of an earthly Father that has been limited, that has been destructive, that has been dysfunctional. I reckon God today wants to wrap his arms around you. There is nothing like a heavenly hug. The Bible says he is love. It's not a fickle kind of love that one minute is there and one minute is not. And maybe that is your experience. But the great thing about everybody that unites us at the foot of the cross is that God's love is for us. Whether we've had a great experience of a natural father, there is a heavenly father whose love deals with our fears but brings hope and restoration. And we're going to pray shortly for some people who are perhaps in that situation. You have today a God who is a wonderful counsellor. Even when you can't fathom and think and get your way out of it, Jesus brings freedom where there is entrapment and isolation. You have today a mighty God whose strength is made perfect in yours and my weakness. We have an everlasting Father who, although we sit in today, sits outside of time. But the Bible also reminds us that we have a prince of peace. The Bible describes Jesus as our prince of peace. When I walked into the auditorium today, I got a sense that there are some people that are processing stuff that maybe you've not even spoken about. Maybe some really deep stuff, and it's not going to be one of those moments where we ask you to come out and talk about it. But it is something that God, by his Holy Spirit, wants to put his hand on and bring healing and comfort. God often reveals stuff to you, puts his finger on stuff in your own life, 
because he loves you so much he doesn't want to leave you where you are. Perhaps today you are experiencing hurt and pain. Perhaps today there is a confusion and maybe even mentally you are struggling. I want to remind you today that Jesus, years before three years, he walks and talks on earth, is described as the Prince of Peace. And there's lots of ways that we can describe peace. The the word is shalom, which means a wholeness, a wholeness or a togetherness that can't be can't be botched or can't be uh, created by man. And uh, years ago, there was a competition. I don't know if I've ever told you this story before, but there was a competition of a king who was struggling to sleep. And so the people who served the king decided that the only way to get this guy to sleep is to create some pieces of art that will bring him peace as he goes to sleep. He'll look at the pieces of art, he'll see peace, and he'll go to sleep. And the great thing about this piece of art was that anybody in the kingdom could enter. And so you had entries from all over. You had young people entering, you had old people entering. And they got together all these experts who knew the king, who knew what would bring him peace. And they put it down to to 10 on the shortlist. They went round and they looked at it, they looked at it, they looked at it. From 10, they got it down to five. And from five, they chose two final paintings that would represent peace to the king. One, oh, one was perfect. One had the sun in the right-hand corner, and the sun brought light to everything and everyone. It was like a perfect bright and yellow light that brought hope and, and changed everything. You couldn't see any shadows in this picture. It was just a perfect picture of a sun. And the, the sun hit the, the picturesque turquoise water that rippled and had white, and it, just, it was just a perfect image of peace. You looked at it, and you couldn't help but feel peaceful. The other one, uh, due diligence said they had to have two in the final, but they looked at it and they they had to look more than once because it it was a picture that brought probably more dis-ease than ease. At at the face of it, the the rocks were jettisoned out the water at an angle that made you go, what is that? The sun was in the sky, but it was covered by clouds, so you couldn't really see it. It definitely wasn't gazing and, and reflecting off the water like the first picture. And after lots of hours of discussion, they decided the picture on the right was better than the picture on the left. Because I guess what these judges had decided is, is something that perhaps we in this room need to grab hold of. The peace isn't the absence of trouble and strife and difficulty. Peace is a person. Oh, on the picture that the one there was a bird in the background. And the bird on the background sat on a rock. And on the rock, there was a bird who, despite what went on around him, stood firm. And that's what was the difference. That's what made the judges choose the picture that they chose. I want to remind you today, church, that we serve a God who is a wonderful counsellor, who is a mighty God whose strength is made perfect in our weakness who is an everlasting father, who reminds us what love is. He doesn't, the Bible doesn't just say he does love, he is love, the Bible reminds us. And the Bible concludes by telling us in this passage in Isaiah that he is a prince of peace. Whatever we're going through, whatever difficulties we're facing, right there in the fire with us, there is a one 
who is faithful, who is strong, who is more than able. And I wonder today if we don't need to again almost wipe our, our lenses and see him for who he really is. I wonder today if there are situations where you need to apply the truth of who he is and the promise that he has for you to the situation that you walk through. Let me be honest, church. I have situations, even conversations that I will have in the next 24 hours. I need the Prince of Peace. I need the mighty God. And I'm so grateful that we serve a God who is here, who is for us and not against us. Would you stand with me, church? As the band begin to play, the end of an incredible weekend and we're so grateful to God. The great thing about the youth weekend is we can't even see all that God has done. Many years and history books in the future will speak about what God really did. But in this moment, I reckon there's some people that would be honest enough to say, I need a reminder that this wonderful counsellor who understands things that I don't, when I can't wrap my mind around the, the problem that I'm facing, when I'm feeling trapped, when I'm feeling isolated, when I just can't work it out, church, Jesus is our wonderful counsellor. He is our mighty God. He's an everlasting father. And he's your prince. Thanks for tuning in with us today. I hope you were blessed. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cork Church. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions, you can email us info at corkchurch.com or just check out our website, www.corkchurch.com. Again, thanks for tuning in and see you next time. God bless.